This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Monday afternoon, June 20th. It's the Juneteenth Holiday Observed. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. And as a result, the markets are closed today. But we will uh, discuss what will move the markets when uh, trading resumes tomorrow morning. It's been another chaotic weekend in the air travel industry. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the week ahead will include key data from the housing market, plus testimony by Fed Chair Jerome Powell to the Senate Banking Committee. We're joined by Andrew Bush, former Chief Markets Intelligence Officer at the Commodity. Futures Trading Commission and economist at andrewbush.com based in Chicago. Andy, thanks for joining us today. Before we tackle uh, Fed Chair Powell's uh, upcoming testimony about the uh, the status of the fight against inflation, uh, it's a good check of the housing market, which uh, has been cooling off. But uh, if you're thinking uh, it's 2007 all over again, uh, look at those numbers and say, guess again. Yeah, I, I think there's just been a dearth of homes available for sale. So uh, the head of uh, uh, Freddie Mac, their economist, came out and said, we're about 4 million homes shy of what we need to fulfill demand. So you have to be careful with these numbers that come up, especially the existing home sales. That's coming out Tuesday, and new home sales are on Friday. So um, there's still just not enough homes out there. You could actually see those numbers drop on the new home sales, uh, the existing home sales, I'm sorry, because, again, there's just not enough homes there. So, But we're also looking for a drop in demand that's being created by the rise in interest rates with almost 300 basis points on top of where we were a year ago for uh, the 30-year mortgage. It's dampening demand, certainly across the country. If, the, if we're 4 million units shy of the uh, housing that we need to meet demand, uh, does this slowdown in the housing market mean uh, that, that uh, the future projects that could, uh, that could uh, satisfy that dem- demand or will, will go by the boards? Yeah, I mean, it could be. I mean, builders are, I mean, building like crazy right now. But what I would say is this, is that um, they're going to get that wave done over the next six to eight months, maybe nine months. And we'll see if demand has softened enough where uh, because of the interest rates and, and because of how much that's added on to the monthly cost, if that really hurts demand significantly or if we're going to see and this is what I hope, start to drop in the prices of these homes uh, that people are willing to buy. And I, I think to me, it'll be a combination of all three to some extent, but I think the drop in the home prices will start to happen as demand uh, steps back and looks at these interest rates. 
Fed Chair Jerome Powell testifies on money to, on monetary policy at the Senate Banking Committee on Wednesday. Uh, what is he expected to say? Especially, uh, we, we've heard an awful lot about the uh, interest rate plan, the 75 basis points announced last week. There could be more to come in the future. But what about also, uh, you know, tapering and uh, and 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 unloading that balance sheet that was uh, that was built up at the beginning of the pandemic over two years ago? Yeah, so we can expect from Chairman Powell that he's going to say, hey, we're all over this inflation thing. We're doing everything that we can to make sure that this is reduced. He'll remind everybody that anything to do with the supply chain, they can't do anything about unless they really want to hammer the economy hard, which they don't. So, I mean, things like the Russian-Ukraine war, um, COVID shutdowns in China. I mean, those things the Fed has no control over, including food prices, by the way. Um, So he'll remind everybody about that. But, you know, the Fed does have a significant impact on the housing market by raising, you know, raising interest rates aggressively, which is what they're doing, and quantitative tightening, pulling, you know, uh, getting rid of some of their balance sheet. That's going to also tighten things up. That'll hurt the housing market first and also new car loans. So you'll start to see it in those kind of two sectors to see if the, how far the Fed's going to push this and how far down they're going to push the economy. Right now, I'd say the economy is slowing, and it's slowed dramatically, especially in the second quarter. Inflation is a huge problem, as everybody knows. Um, after this quarter, I think things will ease up a little bit. But um, the market's reacted so strongly. It's, we've never seen anything this uh, rapid over the last month. So this is we're in uncharted territory. Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economist at andrewbush.com. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up, it's the summer of chaos for America's airlines. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. This past weekend included cancellations or delays for thousands of flights at airports across the country. Let's get an update on what's been a hectic situation from Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University, based in Chicago. Joe, thanks for joining us once again. When we spoke at 1020, we talked about some of the issues at airports across the country last weekend. Demand is back to where it was in 2019, more or less. Uh, Airlines are scheduling fewer flights. They have fewer employees. They have some employees who are sick. And then on top of that, you add bad weather delays in some pretty popular destinations, and that's a big old problem. Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg now chiming in, saying the airlines have to clean up their act and try to uh, uh, offer a better class of service to the flying public. What can the government do to, uh, to, to give the airline industry a kick in the pants, as it were? Yes, the last thing the major airlines want. And you remember uh, when there were problems so four or five years ago where the airlines were having planes on tarmac stuck for two, three hours. They issued a big fine for airlines to... uh you know, to pay passengers if they have those kind of uh, inconveniences. And Europe, uh, South America, some other countries have levied fines on airlines that cancel uh, for non-weather uh, reasons, not act-of-God reasons. And that's uh, certainly uh, on, the, on the Secretary's mind. Twenty years ago, uh, the the Clinton administration uh, tried to uh, address another epidemic of airline delays by uh, directing the FAA to open up some military corridors for uh, commercial air traffic. Can the government do anything that drastic to uh, get planes moving? Or because they also can't just conjure employees out of thin air, too. Yeah, that's right. I think one of the biggest thing we're seeing, and it's not a quick fix, is possibly lowering the number of hours pilots need to qualify to fly for commercial airlines. You know, after the accident in Buffalo, uh, 
a decade or so ago. They really upped the requirements. Uh, raising retirement age for pilots has also come into play. You know, but those are those are long-term solutions. Uh, in the short term, it's uh, it's you know airlines are forced. Uh, we're seeing to cut back their schedules and to try to ramp up hiring as opposed to some sort of a governmental uh, fix right now. And as we talked about before, uh, it's a great time to be a commercial pilot too. That you don't have to just fly for an airline and possibly deal with disruptive passenger behavior. There are a lot of cargo airlines. Amazon's a big player in that space, and, uh, and, and they're looking for pilots, too. Oh, exactly right. I mean, look at the uh, uh, Amazon Air with the big 737, 767 fleet, and they offer mostly daytime uh, flights. And then you have the integrators, FedEx and UPS, which are doing quite well, too, with the boom of online buying. And years ago, you, know, you made less for that. You know, sort of your game plan was to pivot over to a commercial passenger airline. Now it's uh, sometimes seen as uh, kind of a prize of those kind of jobs. Uh, now with high price of fuel, corporate flying, private jet flying is down, but uh, the cargo airlines are booming right now. Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chattuck Institute at Paul University, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, consolidating debt can be a great financial move if you control your future spending. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Credit card consolidation is a popular way to get out of debt, but there are some important things to keep in mind. Let's get some help from Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Ted, thanks for joining us today. On the surface, Ted, getting a debt consolidation loan, if you have a bunch of uh, credit cards in which you're underwater, seems like a no-brainer. The uh, compounding interest on credit cards, substantially higher than anything you could get from a from a debt consolidation loan. Yes, I like the concept here. There's a few different forms. You could get a 0% balance transfer card and roll your existing high-cost debt into that. Those rates are at 0% for up to 21 months on cards like the Wells Fargo Reflect and the City Simplicity. You could also look into a personal loan as a form of debt consolidation. Your mileage will vary here because if you have really good credit, the rate could be as low as about 6% over, let's say, five years. But if you have average credit, it's probably more like 10 11%. Lesser credit, it could approach credit card rates or even higher. So credit matters. One other option is nonprofit credit counseling. Reputable agencies like Money Management International have debt management plans that can consolidate your existing debt they could probably get you something like a 6% rate over five years, and you don't necessarily need great credit. So that's a good option for some. And before we start you know, talking about the reasons why people wind up deep in credit card debt, um, you, 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 don't, you want to assume maybe that there are some habits that need to be shored up uh, once you do get your debt consolidation loan. But what are some reasons that people do list for carrying uh, big balances that they just simply can't pay off? It's often a one-time shock, some big medical bill or home repair, car repair, something like that. That's a very different situation from somebody who every single month is upside down. And this is another leading cause where just every single month your necessities and your expenses are outpacing your income. I think there's two different fixes there. I actually think the one-time shock lends itself even better to debt consolidation because hopefully that is not going to happen again and you can attack the debt. 
I think the other one is more systemic, and that is going to require some more lifestyle modifications, whether it's earning more, spending less, something like that. How does carrying a balance affect your credit score? I mean, let's say you are carrying a balance and you make either the minimum payment or just a little bit more. Um, does that adversely affect your credit score? And obviously not paying at all certainly has a, a serious impact on that. Right. The number one factor in credit scoring is payment history. Number two, though, is how much you owe. And a key component of that is credit utilization, credit you're using divided by credit available to you. So that's where if you're maxing out or coming close to maxing out a credit card, it could have a really detrimental effect. So in that sense, this is another pro for debt consolidation. I think the biggest would be interest savings, um, but there could be credit score benefits as well if you're disciplined about it. We just want to make sure that you don't go through one of these consolidation loans and then run the credit card bills right back up because then you're going to get dinged on both sides, high interest costs and credit score damage. Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Thanks for joining us today. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. This is Chicago's all news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. President Biden is looking into a temporary suspension of the federal gas tax. Air travelers see their plans disrupted by worker shortages. Volvo has started testing trucks that feature hydrogen power fuel cells. It's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get a couple of suggestions from an investing pro. WBBM Business. The markets are closed for the Juneteenth holiday. They re- open tomorrow morning. AccuWeather says mostly sunny today, breezy and hot, a high of 94, 85 degrees right now in Chicago at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, there is a chance President Biden will agree to suspend federal fuel taxes, telling reporters in Delaware. Well, I hope I have a decision based on data I'm looking for. By, uh, by the end of the week. AAA reports that gas prices nationwide are averaging just under $5 a gallon. Thousands of passengers have been left stranded at U.S. airports, partly because of staffing issues for airlines. The story from CBS News correspondent Elise Preston. Since the start of June, U.S. airports have seen an average of 2.2 million flyers every day. They didn't tell them why it was canceled, but they canceled everybody's flight. The industry has been struggling, receiving tens of billions in federal aid since the start of the pandemic. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg met with airline executives right before the weekend, telling them to stick to their flight schedules and to hire more customer service agents. Experts say when flying, you should try to book the first flight of the day and arrive at least three hours early. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues, sponsored by Mesero Wealth Management. Markets are closed in observance of the Juneteenth holiday today, so let's take some time to see where the markets stand and where they may be going. We welcome in 
and Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director, Clearstead Advisors, based in New York. Jim, thanks for joining us today. When it comes to any signs that maybe the sell-off may be abating or at least slowing down, uh, could we could we be waiting for that for at least a little while while the Fed continues to hike interest rates? Yeah, well, in a fundamental sense, yes, you're right. We have to wait a little while, but the markets are down uh, an awful lot, and you're going into the uh, rebalancing at the end of uh, uh, June, the next two weeks. And because stocks have done worse than bonds this quarter, you could see some money come out of bonds and go into stocks and, and give a short-term rally. Uh, but the but the the the, the reality is that uh, we can't get ourselves straight in these markets until we see how high the Fed has to go, what inflation looks like at that point, and what the impact on the economy might be at that point. And I think we're a couple of months away from that. So we could stabilize based on the fact that we're down a lot, but I don't think we're going anywhere until we get to September and that September meeting where the uh, the Fed will give us a real clue as to what their plans are through, are through the end of the year. At the uh, as far as the, uh, the the depth of the sell-off, have have the markets given back pretty much all of the gains from the rally that began in 2020, or is it starting to eat into 2019? Yeah, no, I think at this point you're 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 back to where you were uh, in in the very beginning of um, uh, of, of last year. Uh, the the issue is, uh, uh, you know, how how far down are profits going to go? You know, so far, until last until this month, most of the decline in the markets had been evaluation adjustment, adjusting for higher interest rates, which lowers the valuation level on stocks. What we're going through now is you get increasing signs of a slowdown in the economy, uh, trying to gauge what it's going to do for profits, and we're not near knowing yet. Uh, what profits next year are going to be like. I've seen uh, estimates as low as 180, uh, as high as 220, 230 for S&P earnings next year. So uh, uh, we have more work to do in, in, in over the next few months. Inflation is going to break eventually. Uh, that's, you know, everybody seems to be in agreement on that. Uh, the question is just when and how far. But once those inflation rates go from the, you know, early 1980s, 8% and a year over-year basis and go back into the twos and threes, back to what the Fed wants, um, will consumers see lower prices or is it this is just the way it's going to be now? Well, that would be a very happy outcome if you could get back to the two to three percent. Uh, but most most forecasters think it's going to take uh, a year or two to get there. So I think uh, if they get from you know eight to seven to six to five, uh, they may be able to slow down with with the, the the tightening in monetary policy. But I think we're stuck with uh, higher higher prices, higher inflation than we've experienced over the last decade uh, for the next few years. The question is, can the economy grow enough? Uh, uh, during that period to allow profits to uh, start to climb again. And, and that will be your key in, ter- in terms of the, um, uh, the, the, re- the resumption of, of, of strong consumer spending and a, and a growing and rising stock market. Now, oddly enough, aren't we about to see what may be a, a, statistical, uh, a, a statistical change in inflation? Because uh, the last year or so, it's just been a year-over-year comparison. So 8%, 9%. You know, over over uh, 
just reflecting the sudden rise in inflation. But that number is going to go down as we start comparing November of 21 to November of 22, December and January, periods of time when inflation was starting to take off. Yes, absolutely. You're, that's called the base effect. And what you're now going to start to do is to um, uh, compare uh, against uh, the comparisons get easier in terms of inflation. But in spite of that, you're, you're likely to have some pressure on service costs, food costs and energy costs. So that, that, that's going to be the countervailing uh, pr- pressure on inflation, offsetting the base effect positive and the fact that goods inf- inflation, goods prices may actually start to uh, come down somewhat as invest- uh, consumers have switched from uh, things to, to experiences and as uh, uh, retailers are overloaded with uh, goods inventory. So the picture is not likely to get worse. The question is, uh, how much better will it get and uh, how, how slowly, how quickly, and how does the Fed react to that? Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director, Clearstead Advisors, based in New York. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday, and helping us out this afternoon is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter in Hammond, Indiana, also the author of Winning with the Dow's Losers. Chuck, thanks for joining us today. Before we have a quick uh, heat check on the Dow Theory, what are your two selections for this week? Uh, My first pick is Chubb. The symbol is CB. Uh, It's about $189 a share. It's a prominent property and casualty insurance company and and one that has held up uh, significantly better than the overall market. That's not to say it hasn't come down. It's been down about it's down about 13.5% so far this year, uh, but that's, that's still quite a bit better than the broad market. And interestingly, most of that decline has come in the last two weeks as the selling has kind of spread out to a number of sectors. I like the dividend yield here. It yields about 1.8%. Earnings estimates have been holding up quite nicely, and the company should post earnings growth of about 20% this year and 12% next year. And I think that kind of earnings growth is going to be hard to come by. So I think investors will preference those companies putting up those types of earnings growth. Uh, again, it's a, in a little bit of a defensive area for this market, and it's a stock we like quite a bit. That's Chubb, symbol CB, trades for $189 per share. And a proud sponsor of uh, public broadcasting. Okay. <laughs> they they, un, they underwrite uh, uh, many a, a show you see on PBS. Uh, your next one yes, is, in the, is in the your next one's in the uh, in the tech sector. It is. It's a, it's on semiconductor. Stock symbol is ON. Stock trades for about fifty two dollars per share. Um, the stock is down about twenty six percent this year, which uh, you know, believe it or not, is actually a pretty good showing for semiconductor stocks in, in 2022. That's a group that's been really worked over. Uh, a couple of things about ON that I like. One, it's uh, basically two-thirds of its business is focused in the automotive and industrial end markets. So they're a big player in, in vehicle electrification and in energy infrastructure, I think two areas that have good long-term growth. The stock trades at only 11 times its 2022 earnings estimate, and those earnings estimates have been holding in there pretty well. And, and then finally, it's a stock that just was added to the S&P 500. So uh, among the semiconductor sector, this is probably the one stock that has held up the best and one that we like quite a bit that's on semiconductor, symbol ON, trades for about $52 per share. And then very quickly, Chuck, Dow Theory still flashing the bear signal? It is. Uh, you know, we, we still haven't had a market that has held previous lows. And until 
until you you have that, you know, you, the trend is not going to be changing from bullish to bearish, uh, or I'm sorry, from bearish to bullish. I guess if there is a silver lining, you know, the selling that we've seen in the last two weeks has started to resemble more of the sort of capitulation that you do get during a bottoming process. So, you know, I, I think we're getting closer to the bottom, but I still think there's further downside here. Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter based in Hammond. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 